Wine Work and Passion is brought to you by the Napa Valley Wine Academy, America's premier wine school and two-time winner of the WSET Global Wine Educator of the Year Award. You can find a course that's right for you at NapaValleyWineAcademy.com and use the code in our show notes for a special discount. Welcome, wine enthusiasts and job seekers. I'm your host, Karen Wetzel, and Wine Work and Passion is the podcast where we inspire you to make a career out of your passion for wine. If you've ever thought about sharing your passion for wine by writing about it, then this episode is for you. Today, my guest is Jonathan Cristaldi. Jonathan's an established wine writer with more than a decade of experience. His articles have appeared in publications such as Decanter Magazine, Food and Wine, The Psalm Journal, and The Tasting Panel, just to name a few. He's also our editor-in-chief here at the Napa Valley Wine Academy and was recently a guest speaker at the Wine Writers Symposium. Jonathan will not only share his story, but will also help you write yours by giving you the inside scoop on how to put pen to paper and get published. Be sure and listen until the end when Jonathan will give you recommendations on what you can do right away to follow in his footsteps. Let's get to our interview. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to Wine, Work, and Passion. How are you today? I'm excellent. How are you doing, Karen? I'm doing really good. Thanks so much for being my guest today. Um, Really appreciate it. I'm super excited to have you. I know, as I just mentioned a bit ago, this, I think, is going to be one of the most valuable podcasts for our audience that we've had in a while. So I'm super excited to have you. So can you tell the audience who you are and what you do in the wine industry? Yes, I am a wine writer uh, and contributor to Food and Wine magazine. I write for uh, Decanter and I write for Departures. I'm also the editor-at-large for the Psalm Journal and the Tasting Panel magazine. And I probably write for a bunch of other outlets that I can't can't think of right now. <laughs> okay, so when, when you guys in the audience are out there reading your great wine articles, look for Jonathan Cristaldi and the tagline and the author line, and that's, uh, that's who we're talking to today. So appreciate that. So um, I like to tell the audience how we came about having you on the show and how we know each other. And as everyone knows, I work for the Napa Valley Wine Academy. I'm an instructor and I'm the podcast host. And I also, most of the audience knows I write a series of a career, a wine industry career series um, of articles. And you are actually the editor at the Napa Valley Wine Academy. So when I write my articles, I submit them to you and you're always very, very sweet and very, very helpful, give great advice on, on editing and, and ideas. And so that's kind of how we've gotten to know each other. Um, yeah. So that's, is that kind of a side hustle for you? Yeah, or? yeah, indeed. I know I left that out, but no, it's true. I am the, arguably the editor in chief, I guess, for the Napa Valley Wine Academy's article section. And it's, and I've been doing that for a long time. And, uh, it's it's actually a really um, wonderful outlet because it gives me an opportunity to hire some really awesome writing writing talent 
uh, some great writers and work with people like yourself who are ingrained at the academy to to write some real geeky um you know real real sort of deep dive articles into all sorts of things wine related and uh and it's good it's good i i enjoy it 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 turns on a different side of my brain which is the editing and (laughs) the editing side Yeah, that's great. And, you know, for those of you listening, you may not know. So the at here at the Academy, if you get our newsletter, we put articles in there all the time. So our newsletter is really more than a newsletter. It's really also an education letter. And so all those articles are edited by Jonathan. But if you want to see all of the articles or most of them anyway, you just go to our website at Napa Valley Wine Academy and look under the check on the resource tab and scroll down to articles. And my articles are there. If you type in the search button careers, then my articles all pop up. You can do a search if you're looking for an article on a region or a grape variety. Anyway, it's very interactive. And the articles are done, are written um, by, as Jonathan mentioned, you know, tremendous experts and edited by Jonathan, who's also an amazing wine expert. So anyhow, that's, uh, that's kind of how we got to know each other. But enough about that. Let's talk about you. I want the, you know, the audience loves to hear good stories about how somebody enters, how somebody ended up in the wine industry. And a lot of times it's by chance. So tell us your story. What, you know, what, what was your life like? How did you end up in, in this world of writing about wine? Yeah, it seems most winemakers end up in wine because they went to school to learn how to make it. But most wine writers end up in wine writing because they um, pivoted, did something right. else in life. I and I'm one of those persons. I uh, was originally destined to be, um, you know, an actor uh, in New York City on Broadway. I think I, I thought that's what I was going to do. I went to school at a place called SUNY Purchase College, just outside of New York City, um, and really fell into a very avant-garde world of theater and kind of got into the downtown theater scene and was excited about the idea of getting into a, a company that would maybe tour Europe and go overseas and maybe I'd live over there and just live <laughs> as like a nomad going from theater to theater, theater to theater with this with a company but wine sort of trickled in and I guess the best way I describe it is started producing my own shows uh, out of these loft spaces in Brooklyn because it was free and I didn't have to pay a theater rental fee in Manhattan. <laughs> and uh, and to, to entice people to come to my shows, I started a cocktail hour. Um, and uh, and I over the course of about two years, the cocktail hour grew from cocktail hour and show to like full-on traveling wine saloon which is what it became it gravitated from cocktails to wine and then all of a sudden i was like doing these events where i was um the wine expert talking about wine and educating people about wine and um and still had absolutely no education myself in wine other than having um you know been a consumer of copious amounts right So, so no certifications or anything at this point, right? No, absolutely nothing. And it was just a, a bunch of irreverent speak. And I think I was mostly just trying to make people laugh. But um, at some point, I said to myself, you know, I, this is kind of interesting. Maybe I want to do something with this. And around that time, uh, somebody who had been writing at Time Out, uh, an editor there named Chris Schonberger, asked me if I would write some wine articles for him for a new publication that he was launching called First We Feast. And I said, sure, why not? And um, and 
you know, he was going to pay me money. He was going to pay me 50 bucks, 125 bucks to write 600, 700 words. And I thought, well, this is, this is great. <laughs> I get right. paid to write about wine. Um, and so I took the, took that side gig, uh, and, and started doing that and, um, quickly realized that I needed, uh, I needed to learn a lot more about wine if I was going to write about it and be published. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, then credentials ensued. Well, sort of. I yeah. I I, I went full. All, I went full tilt. I in 2011, I went out worked harvest uh, in Napa to really get a sense of like how that works. Um, right around the time, social media was becoming a thing that wineries were realizing they might need to utilize, and so I had a little background in PR. Um, while I was sort of, I was straddling this road of doing some public relations work and also um, being an actor in New York. Um, the acting obviously didn't pay anything. <laughs> the public relations work was helping me pay my bills. And so I realized an opportunity to kind of fuse the, 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 the two worlds of wine and, and PR and started offering I was one of the early guys offering like social media services, like how to get, how to build up your social media presence. So I was able to, to do that when I came out to work harvest, I sort of simultaneously worked harvest and had some contract work, um, be, which was very helpful because I still had bills to pay back in New York. <laughs> so, so that was a big, that was a big, big step for me. So were you giving advice to companies on how to work their social media or were you actually managing their social media account for them? The latter. I was actually getting um, clients and started, you know, early on doing content posting and content strategy for their for their <laughs> prescient, you know, their very early social media um, uh, presence. You know, it was Facebook and Twitter uh, and very early Instagram. Right. And that's interesting because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, to make money on, say, Instagram or on social media, you have to become kind of an influencer, which means you have to build up a you know bazillion followers and then maybe somebody's going to pay you to promote a product or whatever. But I know lots of people who mon- who have monetized Instagram by managing somebody else's account for them and not really having building followers for another entity. And that actually I I. I did that at the Academy when I first started. I ran their social media for, I don't know, six months or half, almost a year. And they paid me to do it. And I think my personal account had like 800 followers, mm-hmm. but I got the Napa Valley followers up to, you know, I don't know, 10,000, 12,000, something like that. So, Which is awesome, ways, right? Yeah, it, it swerves a little from our topic today about writing, but it is about writing to some degree. So anyway, just oh, oh for sure, yeah. for sure, and and monetizing your writing, right? Because because right. um, yeah. it's it, 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 it sort of it's all about like how do you how do you do that? How do you how do you get somebody to pay you uh, to write uh, about wine? And 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 I know we'll we'll get more into this, but there are avenues outside of you know just editorial writing, but we'll get there. I know you sort of briefly said who you write for. Give us another, give us a list again. Who are you writing Ooh, yeah. for or have you written for or currently writing for? Give us who you connect with. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you the very abridged version of uh, what happened after working that harvest. I went back to New York and uh, thought I was going to start um, writing for everybody, but <laughs> it really didn't happen. And, uh, and after I left California, um, everybody in California who I met was like, 
great, you know, hey, it was really nice to meet you. Uh, let us know when you're, you're back out here and we'll try to work together when you are. And so I sort of realized very quickly that if I wanted to immerse myself in the world of wine writing, I probably was going to need to be in California or I was going to need to get a job at one of the publications in New York. But I really didn't, still didn't have the experience for that. So I went to California. Uh, thankfully, uh, my, my wife actually got a, a job in Los Angeles. She was a professional dancer in New York and got a great gig in LA. And that took us west. And um, I had started writing for the Psalm Journal and Tasting Panel magazine. And they liked my work, and I was I was putting in the time. I you know I wasn't getting paid a lot of money, but it was it was good. It was good money at the time. Um, you know, anywhere between four hundred and maybe eight hundred dollars an article. Uh, and so I put in put in the work, uh, and eventually Meredith May, the publisher, offered me a spot on the on the staff. Um, so I joined up as deputy editor. And I was there for uh, several years and, and loving it, but wanted to move out of LA, wanted to go north to Northern California, uh, kind of where it's all happening. And uh, she supported that. And so I, I, I left the full-time role and became editor at large. And that's when I really started branching out. And so over the years, I've, I've been fortunate. Um, I, I, today I'm writing for, for food and wine digital. Um, I'm writing for departures, which, uh, which was a print magazine and is now only digital. Uh, and I'm writing for decanter, um, and still for the Psalm journal and the tasting panel. Okay. So what is at large? Can you tell the audience? About that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's sort of, um, that's a, that's a, a fun way of us ascribing a, um, maybe a regional, somebody who's kind of got a regional focus. So like uh, both Randy Caparoso and I are editors at large. Randy is like knee deep in Lodi and sort of that area of California. And I'm up here in Napa. Uh, and, uh, and so the at large is, you know, I'm still very much involved and I might even get some edit editing assignments and, and things like that. But um, it's, you know, it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a glorified, uh, <laughs> like, hey, we're going to keep you around and give you a respectable title kind of thing. <laughs> okay. So it's not the full-blown commitment, you know, constantly writing and, and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And it's a little bit different than just being a contributor. Um, yeah, you have a little bit more say. And sometimes I get involved with events and can represent the magazine as a speaker and, and things like that. One of the most important things I wanted to talk about today for our audience sake is I meet a lot of people, some of my coaching clients, a lot of people I follow and they follow me on Instagram, a lot of people on LinkedIn that are bloggers, quote unquote, you know, air quotes, right, for bloggers. I guess that's just a fancy word for wine writer, being a wine blogger. But a, a lot of them, they, they're very good at writing, but they don't know how to make any money at it. They might have their own website, but they have, you know, they don't have a big following. Maybe they post a couple of things on Instagram here and there, but how can people who have a passion for writing about wine, how can they find a way to get it out in the world and, and make a couple of bucks doing it? I think very simply, they have to ask, right? What does that mean though? They have to ask. Well, yeah. so Ooh. I think that's a <laughs> good example, ask? right? <laughs> um, a lot of people do start out this way in wine. In wine, it's a passion project. They start their own blog and they start writing and they start posting content. And today, they're doing that on Instagram and on TikTok and other outlets. 
Um, at what point, though, do do they can they start getting paid for that? Well, they've got to meet the right people, right? So I think an easy place to start is to think about um, magazines, digital magazines, print magazines. Um, digital is going to be the easiest place to start because the bar is frankly low. The bar is very high for print. Um, you, you, you really need to be established and, and show a body of work in order to get um, a print publication to consider letting you print something in their print magazine. But, but for digital, you know, it's, a, it's still a wild west. There are so many platforms, so many outlets, and um, not just the obvious ones. Because what are the obvious ones? It's like food and wine, Bon Appetit, wine and spirits, uh, wine enthusiast, wine spectator, um, you know, those outlets, which, you know, they have a lot of people on staff and, and they're, they're pretty well covered. And, and, but there are freelance opportunities. Um, so the trick is you've got to meet and get to know somebody who is an editor or somebody who is at their sort of assigning desk, uh, somebody who is responsible for assigning stories and figure out um, how to pitch those people. Uh, and that might be just asking your network too, like, hey, uh, you know, I know you, you write for that outlet. Could you introduce me to the person, the editor who is responsible for <laughs> okaying a story and you know, that I'll get paid to write? Um, that's a great thing to do. Tap your network. Um, but if you haven't, well, you know, um, a lot of sites will certainly have like a place to send a cold pitch and that's a fine place to start. Um, but you can also try to apply for networking opportunities like the wine writer symposium, uh, the professional wine writer symposium. Yeah. Which we, uh, we just, you were just a speaker at, um, exactly. and it was, it was amazing. It was really, really good. It is hands down the best networking opportunity for anybody trying to write about wine. But it's critical that you, um, you you get people's business cards and you ask for their contact info and you get it and you follow up with them. So those are all good places to start. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned pitching, if I can just interrupt for one second. Mm-hmm. One digital publication that um, I, I re- refer a lot of people to is VinePair. Mm-hmm. You go on vinepair.com and at the bottom of their home screen, it has a tab that says, how to pitch us. And they give you explicit instructions. And I'm sure that that would apply to, you know, there's other ones like, you know, some of the obvious ones, like you say, like food and wine, wine enthusiasts, all those, but there's vine pair. There's 750 is another really 50 daily. Yeah. Right. Uh, That's a good one. Um, There's so many, you have to do a lot of Google searches. (laughs) There's a, but it's funny you bring those up. There's a thread that connects um, the sort of genius of those platforms together. And it's one person, (laughs) Erica Ducey. And Erica was the editor uh, at 750 Daily who really built it up. And uh, then she left and she went to Vine Pear and she did a great job there. And then she left and now she's at a place called Pix. And she has established these incredible protocols, you know, like very journalistic driven protocols, style guides, so that if you're somebody interested in writing for the outlet, you can go look at the outlet's style guide and know exactly what they're looking for, what to pitch them, how to pitch them, what kinds of stories to pitch them. Uh, and and uh, I believe even uh, rates are are discussed up front, you know, uh, oh, 
a, a range is given. You know, we'll pay between 65 cents and $1.25 a word. I'm making that up. I can't remember if that's the case, but, but at least that's there. Um, and, and, and that's very helpful. And, uh, uh, you know, just, just in terms of having a, a, almost a leg in the door, because if you know how to pitch a particular outlet or a particular person, that's more than half the battle, actually. And are, are you pitching? So do you, what, what, I mean, give me the chicken and egg scenario. What comes first? Do you write, have an idea for an article and do you write the article or do you just submit the concept and maybe some past work you've done so they can see your style or are you yeah. just pitching yourself and then the topic comes later or, is, or, or can all of those scenarios work? I would say two of those scenarios. You could certainly pitch yourself and say, "Hey, I, uh, you know, I, I don't have any ideas for you, but I, I would love to know if you um, offer assignments, and here's the kinds of things that I'm, I consider myself to be good at writing." You can do that, but it's a stronger pitch is going to be one where you offer some ideas, and I would say you limit those ideas to two or three ideas at max, um, and you only give the idea. It's a couple sentences. It might be the title and it might be um, a title concept and then sort of who you are um, planning to interview and a little bit of the narrative arc. What's the hook? Um, keep it short, keep it brief, keep it to the point and don't go write the article ahead of time because if you do and it gets approved, chances are you might also get um, a sort of uh, let's call it an assignment package where the editor will say, here's exactly what we want out of this piece. And if you've already written it, you might have, you might be way off the mark. Right. Or have to spend more time rewriting an article and now you're making the same money, but for a lot more work. <laughs> yeah. And if you've, if, you've, if you've written the piece ahead of time, just hoping to get it somewhere. I mean, you, you've, you've essentially put in a bunch of hours for free and that may never turn into any money. Right, right. So, so we're talking about like you mentioned magazines, print or digital. Are there other avenues for writing besides that type of thing that you can think? Yeah, of? I think so. I think so. And we we touched a little bit upon you know the idea of you know the social social media outlets. So, what these outlets provide is um, sort of a another wild west category of opportunity because um, each winery each let's, let's, we're talking wineries we're talking let's talk distilleries let's talk you know breweries all of the anybody in beverage that needs to have a social presence has a has a has a platform and they might have somebody in-house doing that content that could be a role that you might you might be eligible for um, but they also might hire an agency. And, uh, and if they're hiring an agency and they're happy with the agency, okay, good for them. But if they're not, maybe there's an opportunity for you to create an offer, you know, uh, an, an offer, uh, pitch a pitch a company and say, hey, you know, I see your social media presence is there. It could be improved. I could do it for you. And uh, here's what I charge, you know, and here's what I can bring to the table. Here's how I think we can improve it. Or would you be open to having a conversation about um, me taking on your managing your feeds? Uh, because here's what I think I can do for you. And, you know, I would love to get together and talk rates. And hopefully what you've done is, um, is think about those rates. And I think, um, 
you know, a lot of that is having some candid conversations. I know people don't like to talk about money or or, or rates, but like if you can, if you can have the conversation with somebody you trust or somebody willing to open up, um, that's invaluable because you may find that what your idea of an appropriate rate was is way too low or way too high, depending on, yeah, kind of what, what you're after. So I think just having very candid conversations is a really good idea. But, but, um, but then once you've done that and you've kind of established a little bit of a rate card for yourself, you know, you can, you can look at those kinds of opportunities like running somebody's social media platform, but not just that. Maybe somebody needs help writing newsletters. Maybe somebody needs help writing blog content. Oh, you've been doing that? Great. Well, now maybe you're just going to do it for a brand, you know? Um, and and the, the cool thing about that is if you discover that there's a distributor or a, a, a large entity or even a private entity that wants to pay you to write some rich content to drive traffic to their site, um, this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be like utterly branded content that is going to be totally stripped and boring. I mean, you can actually, you know, try to be the expert and encourage those people to write really, um, really rich stuff that is going to be interesting to people to read. And then that would in turn create a a fun project for you to work on. If that makes sense. All kinds of organizations like the Napa Valley Wine Academy, like the Napa Valley Vintners, you know, there's, or there's, you know, in North Carolina, I'm sure they have the the North Carolina Wine Growers Association. A lot of those types of wine organizations like to send content out. They like to include it on their website. They like to put it in their newsletters. You know, would they pay as much? It's hard to say. I mean, you know, I, I know at the Academy, we pay for articles. So really it's almost limitless. Um, and, you know, if you haven't, if you really have had no experience getting yourself published, a couple things, you know, you can do to at least give whoever you're looking to write for, give them something to see. You taught you and I talked about this earlier, maybe write articles on LinkedIn. There's an article mm-hmm. section when you post on LinkedIn, you can put pictures in, diagrams, mm-hmm. you know, write some content. Doesn't have to be war and peace. Make it fun. Make it interesting. <laughs> Don't make it boring. Don't write tasting notes. Nobody wants to read your tasting notes. We talked about that. It's a snooze fest. Yeah. But, you know, get make it a story. And now you have a place to direct a potential employer or a, a person who might potentially buy some of your articles to see what your style is like. As you mentioned, make them good. You know, don't you have to. And, you know, I wanted you to touch on one thing. Yeah. A couple of things. But you talked to me about approach wine writing, not as a wine enthusiast, but as a journalist. Can you expound, expand on that? Because no one has ever said that to me before. And I, I found it to be very wise words. So could you expand on that a bit? Yeah, I think no matter where you are, if you're completely brand new to writing, or if you've been doing it for a, a little while, um, I think that something I've learned over the years doing this is that um, you can write more profound pieces if you do approach it like a journalist and, and not like just an enthusiast, someone super excited about wine. And what I mean by that is um, you want to ask a lot of questions. You want to sort of, you want to really dig your heels in 
Um, you know, you need to get past the marketing speak. Every single winery, every spirit brand, every beer brand, every beverage brand is going to have a message that they put out there that has been crafted and honed. And great, that's a starting point. But what is behind that? Uh, who are the people behind it? Why are they there? You've got to ask a lot of questions uh, before you even sit down and start writing a piece. Why am I even going to write a piece about these people, about this brand? Um, what are we getting at? What, what greater good does it serve? Um, what is the purpose of what I'm going to try to put out there about the thing that I'm about to write about? And so that's why... Yes, Karen, we had talked about, you know, posting on LinkedIn and posting on your social sites. If you're if you're a young writer who has no published work out there, but you want to give examples of stuff you've done, you can post in those spaces. But my my advice would be not to post anything. My my advice would be to post two or three or four really solid pieces of content. They don't have to be massive articles. They can be short, but make them good. Make them perf make them rich. Make them um, detail driven and research driven. And you know, part of what I mean by being a journalist is um, not just relying on the material that's ev like available on somebody's website. <laughs> Again, that's the polish and the message that they want you to see. But you've got to talk to people. You've got to you've got to have uh, the confidence to get on the phone, uh, ask for interviews. Maybe do more than one interview after you've interviewed the uh, the owner or the winemaker. Um, you know, if you have time before you have to file a story, get them on the phone again, talk to them again, ask them some of the same questions. I think that you'd be surprised what starts to happen as you develop a rapport with somebody. Not not necessarily saying that I'm I'm not encouraging to go out and make friends with everybody, but to to establish a rapport. And 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 so part of you know, writing a really great piece is putting in the time to make that happen. Uh, and that's going to be the difference between a puff piece and, uh, and, and something that's a little more rich. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And even better, if you could physically get in front of the person, meet them at the winery, walk a vineyard with someone, drink mm -hmm. a glass of wine with, you know, with someone, with the winemaker, something along those lines makes it even, you know, it's not just a matter of sitting down and just writing a couple of paragraphs. You, you do have to put a lot of thought um, making sure your facts are correct, you know, don't just make it up. As you mentioned, making sure if you're using data or any information that you're Googling and finding online, make sure, you know, check the dates on that stuff. That stuff does have a expiration date. <laughs> yes, right? absolutely. If you want current absolutely. information. When, yes, when you're doing research online, you've got to always uh, look at, you know, I always look at who wrote it and um, when it was published. And, you know, that, that can be very indicative. Um, you know, maybe some real um, stalwart, longtime wine writer has written this piece. That's, that's good. That's a, that's immediately a guarantee that it, at least you're, you, you can trust this information. How long ago though, was it published is another, you know, thing that you have to take into account. And a lot of what we're talking about too, is, is the kind of curiosity driven approach that will lead you to, um, a story idea that you may not have even thought of. And I think one of the, the great cash of working your way through this world as a, as a writer in any uh, genre is it can really sort of carve out, you know, a unique path for yourself because you've asked 
a bunch of different questions. You've done the research. You show up with knowing everything that you think you need to know so that you can be surprised during your interviews. It's one thing to show up and start asking a winemaker, you know, to tell you about their career if you don't know anything about their career. It's another thing to ask them those same questions already knowing a lot about their career so that you can sprinkle in different questions and maybe veer off in different directions and and end up in some place that you hadn't expected to be, which could lead to a really cool story. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things we do with the podcast, with this podcast, is I try to do research on on the guest and get to know some things about them. I like to still be a little bit surprised by things, but it also helps me sort of f- pick which path to go down and what where to focus. And it's, you know, whether you're writing a written article or doing a, a podcast, which is basically a verbal article in a lot of ways. Um, you know, so we've talked about some of the do's and don'ts, you know, things like fact checking and and not writing long, flowery wine tasting notes, make it a, a better, make it a story, make it interesting. When it, especially when it comes to quoting other people or doing research and finding information on somebody else's page, can you talk about the importance of referencing and giving credit where credit's due? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I see this a lot actually with, with typically with younger writers, not just younger writers. So I'll get a story back. That's a thousand words and there's, um, it's just the story. <laughs> there are no references. Um, there's, there's nothing for So I, I just have to assume, okay, hopefully all of this content came out of this person's head and hopefully none of it's plagiarized, but, um, but now as an editor, I have to go through it and I have to start picking it apart. I have to start digging around myself. I mean, that is one way to um, ensure that you may not get another assignment. <laughs> so, right. so a big piece of advice would be when you're turning in a, a, a piece to whoever you're turning it into, provide your resources, back it up with facts, back it up with research, provide those links. If you use Google Docs, you know, uh, drop in a comment at the end of the quote and say where it came from. Even if it came from an interview that you conducted, note that, you know, came from, you know, in-person interview conducted with so-and-so. Um, but but citing your resources is critical and making sure that you are putting everything in your own words and putting your own spin on it is really important. And I, I'm not sure it's something everyone thinks about these days because, Content is so readily available and right. so free, um, but that doesn't mean well. That doesn't mean that it's good, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that it's fact checked. And I think the best example that I always like to give is um, I hate I don't I refuse to let people um, cite Wikipedia entries in uh, uh, stories that they hand in, and the reason for that is because I actually know how it works. I've I've authored Wikipedia pages. I know how. You can um, you can get content through the editors, uh, the sort of gatekeepers of Wikipedia that that is not necessarily correct. Not that I've done that, but I know that it's possible. <laughs> I know that it's doable. Um, and and also you have to look at when those pages were last updated. It's just so easy to click open a Wikipedia page, but gosh push past it, go past it, scroll, go to the second page of Google search results, go to the third page, go to the fourth page, dig, 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 dig. Um, and cite yeah, your- I never, I never use Wikipedia for research. I just, 
if I'm just if I just need a quick answer for something personal, I'm just got a curiosity about something, I might read yeah. the Wikipedia page because it's not crucial that it's 100% right. But when it comes to any kind of article, would it be enough? So let's say I'm writing an article about millennials and wine drinking. Mm-hmm. Would it be enough if I say did some research uh, on from the looking at research from the Wine Market Council? Would yeah. it be enough yeah. to say and according to the Wine Market Council? Blah, blah, blah. Is it enough to reference it that if they, you know, if you're taking some of their material or some of their information? Yeah, I would, I would say if um, it would be better to cite like the report that you're quoting that the Wine Market Council is, okay, is, right. is citing. So from that their January sense. 3rd, yeah. you know, report on millennials or whatever. Okay. Exactly. And I what would- about... What if it, what if I were to say, um, and this is kind of for me, but it's helpful for everyone. If I were to say, you know, according to the Wine Market Council, give a quote or a statistic, and then hyperlink it to the actual report online, is that that way you're covering your bases, right? I mean, yes, that's the best, or at least provide that link to your editor, because de- depending on the outlet, they may not want to provide a link back to that site, but at least they they might print the resource all the way at the bottom of the page. So yeah, you just you want to provide that as close as you can get to the original uh, material, and and the reason I say to cite the Wine Market Council's um, report is because. Who knows? Maybe somebody that um, transcribed the material onto the Wine Market Council site got a number wrong. (laughs) I mean, it's possible. There's human error along every step of the way. So the closer you can get to the original source, the better. Um, And and I would say, not to sound like a curmudgeon on Wikipedia, like at least there are citations on Wikipedia. So you can also then click through to the citations and see who they're quoting, what they're referencing, which is another incredible rabbit hole you can go down, but it's a good one to go down. Right. Um, I kind of want to back up really quick because as we're talking, I'm, you know, my mind's going a million miles an hour because there's so much here to talk about. But we were talking about, you know, sort of outlets to write for and two others that came to mind. One would be wine authors, book, you know, people who write books about wine often use additional wine writers to either write or to um, fact check or to contribute in some way. Um, And in fact, uh, Catherine Bouguet started that way with Karen McNeil, um, the author of the uh, writer of the Wine Bible. Also, newspapers, even if it's just a local newspaper. You know, if you live in a small town and you have a pension for wine, those are great avenues. You know, I'm not sure a local newspaper pays a whole lot, but it gets you out there, right? It, and it gets uh, you absolutely. practice. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I, think, I, wanted to, I wanted to bring that up too. I think that um, the 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 thing that we're talking about here is your network right it is it is all about your network because the example that you gave of Catherine working with um Karen McNeil is a good one but how did you know how did Catherine know Karen you know how did she get to know her how did she be in a place where that that opportunity was available to her and so it's a little bit of like where where are you based in the world you know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I live in Novato, um, in Marin County, which is half an hour north of San Francisco, and I'm half an hour to Napa, half an hour to the city, half an hour to Healdsburg, and 
So there's a massive concentration of wine people and certainly wine writers around where I am. So, so my network is, is bigger perhaps than somebody who lives and is starting to do this in Nashville, Tennessee, um, you know, or, you know, or somewhere in, in Atlanta, Georgia, or even in New York City. Um, and so you build up that network and you seek out those opportunities, but those opportunities you cited are good examples. Gosh, if you can get uh, in with somebody who is very well established and needs a research assistant in any capacity, um, you will learn so much. And, you know, like I, I noticed the other uh, in my inbox earlier, uh, Antonio Galoni's Venice is um, is uh, once again looking for a new fellow. They do this young wine writers uh, uh, scholarship. And, you know, Galoni's based in New York. And um, he's he I'm sure he has a lot of needs. <laughs> an outlet like Venice, an outlet like Robert Parker, um, even Jeb Dunnick and James Suckling, the critical reviewers who have these websites with subscription services with tons of content, I guarantee you that they're looking for people to write um, in-depth uh, in, in content for them. It's just about breaking through that barrier and, and getting an introduction and having that conversation. And it does take a while. Right. So one of the things we wanted to talk about is, uh, that you brought up earlier, and I thought, we have to talk more about this, is the idea that, you know, can someone live by writing alone or do they need to maybe diversify what they bring to the to the to to their audiences? Yep. Great question. OK, so if you're sitting at home thinking, I'm going to I'm going to go out, I'm going to be a wine writer and I'm going to um, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to pay my bills. Um, I would say that you have a 50-50 chance of making that happen. <laughs> and so here, here's, here's that what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be optimistic about this. I'm going to say that, you know, if, if you take this approach that what you're going to do is not necessarily become a wine writer, but become a journalist, become a, a writer of beverage. Okay. Um, there are going to be a lot of opportunities out there for you, but it is going to take you time to build up a network uh, of editors and outlets. And you will eventually get to a place where you could have enough assignments um, that are that are varied, that pay very little and some that pay very well, that you could call together a living. And the kind of living that you have will depend entirely on where you live. If you live um, in Marin County, as I do, and you look and you own a house, as I do, and you look at the tax rates, as I am forced to, um, you realize very quickly that you need to earn a lot in order to, to, to cut it around here. Ditto for people living in New York City in a major metropolitan area. If you have the luxury of getting in and out of wine country and you can live in a more rural area where prices are a little bit less, that's cool. Um, and kudos to you. So I think it's doable. Um, I think, though, that diversifying is smart because one of the things that we should talk about is um, if you've worked really hard at establishing a network, and that network is like a network of editors at various outlets, and you have good rapport with them, um, what happens when two or three of them suddenly leave or don't have that job or go off and do something else? And that's you're common. Almost, it's, it is common. And you're almost sent back to square one. You know, a company gets bought, 
And the new company lays off the entire editorial department. And six months later, they finally hired a, a, a new group. And maybe you know somebody there and maybe you don't. And now you're, you're renegotiating everything, your contracts, your rates, you know, all that rapport that you had established. They knew you. They knew what kind of stories you do. You got to do that all over again. So that's a bummer. So how do you, how do you diversify and kind of avoid those pitfalls? Well, uh, I think looking for contract work um, that that uh, satisfies um, a need in the industry uh, and is something that you're qualified to to do and is something that won't appear as a conflict of interest, right? So, so I think it's actually pretty easy to do this. Um, and the way I like to start out is I like to drop a list of skills that you have. What other writing skill sets do you have? Can you write marketing copy? Can you write like newsletters? You can write about wine, you can write about beer, and you can write about spirits. Great, but do you know how to sell those products also? Can you tell a narrative story that will be really interesting but also uh, excite somebody to hit that buy button? Um, some of the writing I've done in my life has been for outlets. Um, I was editor-in-chief at a place called Wine Access for a little while, and Wine Access is a, is a site that sends daily emails and just tries to sell wine. Um, they're great emails. They're great stories. They're very creative and they're very fun to write. But um, those emails have to sell wine. <laughs> and so right. um, that's a skill set, though, that you could discover. You might discover that you're good at. And so you could start offering those services or looking for companies that have those needs and that might be able to hire you to do marketing, newsletter copy, you know, blog posts where you don't have to sign your name. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a form of advertorial writing. And advertorial is not something that you should shy away from. I have a, I have a winemaker friend who, who put his kids through college <laughs> writing advertorials. Right, so, right. Well, that was actually yeah. my first experience professionally writing was when I was with Constellation, I, they asked me to develop their brand modules and I had to write the scripts for the, they had, we had a voiceover actor, but I had to write a scripts for them and I had to write them in, in combination with the right slides and the right visuals on the screen but it was really script writing and yeah. that's kind of where I got the bug to keep writing was, and I, I really didn't even think of it as a writing job, but it really was a writing job. <laughs> right. They can be fun as you like, yeah. just like that, as you described. And actually you bring up a good, uh, another good outlet, which is script writing. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people are doing digital. I mean, people are making um, videos today, left and right. I mean, it, it's sort of like, if you're not, producing rich video content at this point for your brand, like, what are you doing? Um, and so actually you have to think about that. Those, those um, videos don't just magically uh, appear. <laughs> Somebody is right. writing that content. Typically it's a production company that was hired, but Hey, good idea to get to know production companies in your area, because maybe they might be looking for a script writer. Right. And also presenters. I think if you're a good writer, you're probably a good presenter. And I, and I do a lot of presentations. And it, it's a great way to, 
pen to paper can be very lonely. And I feel like if you're presenting, mm. you're, um, you know, you're interacting. So it's a nice, it's a nice balance between just writing or writing presentations and deliver and delivering them where you can. Sometimes it's just writing presentations, but. Oh, a hundred percent. In fact, you know, I think about my early days, I mentioned that I got into this whole world hosting events. Well, you know, what we did was we, we, built up a mailing list and I had a mailing list from the people who came to my theater shows. We started just marketing these wine events to them and uh, you know, we would charge a ticket fee. And so I was making money off the ticket fees and I was hosting, but there's other, but there's better ways of doing this. You could get brands um, to sort of think of you as even a brand ambassador or, um, or somebody who could, uh, who, who, if you have a following and you, you, you do have a bit of a following and you're building that up, you, you could certainly look for opportunities to get paid to, to host, um, live events, webinars, um, you know, do presentations. I mean, gosh, you could even go into teaching at some point. If you really, if you really get excited, you go down through the WSET route and you get to the point where you, you love it and you're, you get certified and you can, um, you can teach it. And then, yeah, you're, you're a presenter. So presenting in, in many different ways is another opportunity to make money. One of my colleagues on, on the panel of the pro, the wine writers, the professional wine writers uh, symposium that we just did, we did a panel on monetizing your talents. One of the guys on there was Anthony Giglio. Anthony is an old school writer, uh, been with food and wine for years, um, and is a very gifted, very funny speaker. People hire him just because he's super entertaining. And right. he's also very knowledgeable uh, about wine, but boy, he can really take you through an event in a way that's exciting and a whirlwind and you get through it and you're like, wow, did that, did that, did that just happen? I want to go on the Giglio ride again. <laughs> and right. you know, yeah. it's, well, that, it's edutainment. It's right. edutainment. It's, exactly. edutainment. So and, it's another way. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of fun. Um, well, in the interest of time, gosh, we could, there's so, I'm looking at my notes going, well, we didn't talk about that or that or that. I might have to have you back. Um, we can but do one it. Of the things, one of the things I really like to do, I, I don't want to go too much longer. Or we're going to lose some of the audience, but um, I want to talk, I've always asked my guests to give our audience, you know, a couple, two, three, four key action things that they can do right now that would, if they're interested in writing or getting into the writing industry about wine or, or spirits or, you know, alcohol beverage, what can, what are some, some advice that they can pull the trigger on? They can just put their one foot in front of the other and do. One, I would say mine your network immediately. Look at your business cards. Do you have business cards? If you don't have any business cards sitting scattered on your desk, go out and get some. <laughs> go to events, go to tastings, start asking for business cards. Um, look at your social network, see who you're friends with, and look for opportunities to get yourself in front of somebody who can publish content that you will write for them. Uh, that's number one. I think... Uh, number two would be to consider this, you know, this divergent path of, of offering wine writing or just copywriting services. So make a list. Um, what can you offer? What kinds of writing services could you offer? Make a list of those services um, and also come up with um, a pricing scheme, you know, what you would want to charge for those services and then talk to people about it. I really think people should talk 
talk, 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 ask, ask questions, find somebody who is, is willing to open up. And I think number three, I would say, I think if you're a, somebody who is really just trying to get into this, um, start publishing content right now. Um, you know, take the next few weeks, come up with a little editorial calendar for yourself, pick one or two outlets and just write the best things that you can write. Um, something short, something long, get it out there and let it, let it exist because you can then point to that with, um, with, with an editor or a publisher who says, Hey, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll give you a try. Show us a little bit of what you've, you've done. Give us an example. And, of your and there, you're, you're not, you're not talking about submit it for, to monetize it. You're talking about putting it on say social media or yeah. LinkedIn or something like that. So yep, that you have a reference point. Yeah, I think that's, I, I, somebody had told me that about LinkedIn quite a while ago. And and when I used to work for Constellation for their education team, each one of us educators, we, we had a schedule and we were assigned, you have to write an article for link, you know, to publish on LinkedIn to drive people to our LinkedIn page. Um, but, you know, as you're talking about that, the one thing for all the key things, action items that you just mentioned one thing about writing, you have to be intentional. You have to plan. You have to commit to it. You have to get a cadence. You you can say, I'm a writer. When I get inspired, I'll sit down and write something. That sounds great, but then it never comes. I'm very guilty of that. I should do more with my social media, but I, my excuse is that I do a lot of other things. But you're never, you know, whatever, if that's going to be your passion, you have to make a solid commitment to it. I'm a big to-do list person and, and I'll give myself deadlines, you know, I'll, I'll, at the beginning of the week, I'll map out my week and say, you know, here's what I'm doing on Monday. Here's what I'm doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And if I miss that deadline, guess what? I move it to the next week. And so it does start to become overwhelming. But you get really good at checking those things off the list so that it doesn't become overwhelming. Writing is a thing that you have to do. You have to make the time to do it. And yep. um, and you really owe it to yourself to carve out that time uh, and not just sort of hope <laughs> that it'll get done. Right. Because if you do, what will happen is your deadline will approach and you will have done nothing and you will be scrambling to write a piece. And I'll tell you, it won't be the piece that you want it to be. Right. Right. Exactly. So Jonathan, how can people get in touch with you or how can people follow you or yeah. see your work? What's the best way to connect with you? Uh, I am completely off the grid. I have no email, no Instagram account. I'm just kidding. Um, you, <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> just threw everyone for a loop there. No, I'm uh, I'm on Instagram certainly, and people can DM me there. Um, you know, I'm at J Cristaldi, J C R I S T A L D I. But people can also email me, and I'm totally cool with getting emails and, and offering advice. And it's J Cristaldi at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I think I've got, I will, put, yeah, I will put both of those in the show notes. Great. So if somebody didn't write it down, you can just look at the show notes and I'll have it down there for them. Um, Perfect. that's very generous of you to give an email. You're a brave man. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Okay. So, I've got a, I've got yeah. an assistant who will go through it all anyway. <laughs> okay, well, and, and I'm going to give a little shameless plug here because 
you know, the word networking came up quite a bit. And as you know, since you just edited it for me, my next article on my wine industry career series is coming out at the Napa Valley Wine Academy. Uh, I believe it's coming out Saturday uh, of Labor Day. So Saturday, I think the third. So sign up for our email, I'm for our newsletter through email. There's a link to the newsletter to sign up below in the show notes as well. And you'll get to read that networking article, just coincident, really coincidental to this conversation. Um, but you'll get to see both my work and Jonathan's work. <laughs> so <laughs> I rely very heavily on him. So yeah, and I, I appreciate your writing. I just want to say for everyone listening, you know, you, you are the kind of writer who, who hands in something thoroughly researched, thoroughly fact-checked and, and really good to go. And so I often don't have to do very much, which is like the best gift you can give an editor. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I, I always, I always like pushing that send button to you. <laughs> so, Jonathan, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I know that this is very valuable to a good size portion of our audience um, because that's the, I get this question a lot, especially with my coaching clients. So, thank you so much for so much time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, of course, to our wonderful audience. It's always great to have you uh, with us and. Uh, Anyway, Jonathan, I'll I'll see you on Slack. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks for this opportunity. You're very welcome. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge and insight with our audience. Thanks to all of you for joining. And I hope today's show has inspired you to make a career out of your passion for wine. If you'd like to have a one-on-one -on -one career coaching session with me, just use the link in the show notes for more information or to schedule an appointment. This podcast is all about helping you follow your dreams. So feel free to send us your suggestions for guests or topics through our email link that's listed in the show notes. And it means an awful lot when you share us with friends or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode.